guys, Princess here, and welcome to another episode of Buy Pumpkin. For a minute there, I forgot the name of my podcast, which is typical, typical of me. Um, guys, it has been a day. I went and got my first shot for the vaccine this morning. It went pretty well. Uh, I had an appointment at 1030. It was a drive up thing. So I got there by 930 because I'm no fool. <laughs> I get everywhere early. And, you know, so I got there and I had my shot by 1045. It was, it was, it, it, I, being in drive up was like, was a good way to be because I'm just sitting in my car. I had my laptop. I had a book, you know, I could talk loudly on the phone with my mom because <laughs> I was in the car and it just felt comfortable. And if, and it, there was like no way not to social distance because we're all in these fucking cars. So, and I made sure to get gas before I got there because it's like, wouldn't it be cute if I ran out of fucking gas? Wait, because I don't know how fucking long. It could have taken five hours. I didn't know. I had no idea what to look for. So, you know, I did that. And as I drove up to the section to actually get the shot, um, I just like started silently crying. I've been, guys, I've been crying for a week, to be honest, on and off. Um... I've kept most of it off the podcast. I had to cut out a section where when I was talking to Liz and the stuff I was talking about, I talked about in a Princess Diaries episode. So there were two bonus episodes this week on the Patreon, which is patreon.com backslash buy pumpkin. Uh, the first was is our weekly bonus episode that $5 patrons get. And right now we're doing a series on intervention. We did one on Nick, who's season 12, episode four. Um... And like, it's, it's one of me and Liz's, both of us, it's one of our most like memorable episodes because Nick is super charismatic and he starts dating an alcohol and drug counselor and she starts using heroin. And, you know, it, we just had a lot of fun talking about it. There are a lot of, Liz is great on any podcast, but particularly I was happy to get her on the intervention series because as much as I can, like I can talk knowledgeably about drug use and recovery and the effects it has on the people around you and, and being a codependent and like, I can talk knowledgeably about all that, but I have never been a drug addict and I don't know about recovery from a first person point of view. And Liz is great at talking about that kind of stuff. She's, I feel like, I feel like Liz talks knowledgeably about it and eloquently about it. I feel like she just, um, anyway, you guys know how much I love Liz. This is, I don't need to tell you how much I love Liz. Okay. You guys know, you, you, you know, but so we had her on, um, a bonus episode that came out on Thursday and on Friday I recorded a princess diaries episode where I just talked about how I've been feeling this week. And I definitely cried on that episode, um, yeah, so I, like, listen, I've been weepy since last Saturday, and it's Saturday now when I'm recording this, and so when I pulled up, and I'm like, like, I am crying, but I'm not crying in a way of, like, help me, I'm crying in a, like, a, just ignore this, <laughs> this is, this is happening, just don't talk about it, and, you know, the lady, her name was Shirley, <laughs> sweet nurse, uh, she's, Sweet lady, very comforting. 
And she goes, she introduces herself and she's like, are you okay? Are you, are you, are you having symptoms? Or is something wrong? Are you okay? And I was like, this is a lady I've been, I've been, I've been crying on and off for a week. This doesn't have anything to do with this particularly. I, I'm going through some things. And she's like, are you sure? And I'm like, I am sure. Give it to me. I'm ready. I'm ready. <laughs> she gave it to me. I don't like shots. I don't like needles. Um, my father used to have to sit on me to get my vaccinations. And by the way, my, well, I, you know, I grew up in a military family. We moved quite a bit and the military lost my vaccination records like three, four years in a fucking row. Cause we were moving every year and like the schools could not have access to them. And so I had to be vaccinated over and over and over again. <sighs> And I don't do well with needles. My father used to have to sit on me, like physically a grown man's whole weight on me to keep me from getting a shot, which is why, which I mean, to, to keep me from getting up and running down the hallway, which is why my oldest turtle, like he hates shots. He seems, he will lie to you the entire fucking way there. He understands he's getting a shot. He understands what it's for. He's, oh yeah, I understand. I'm not going to have a problem. No, I'm fine. I'm fine, mommy. I'm fine. I understand how it goes. And in my house, you always get a toy after you get a, sh like, like you can, I can take you to five below afterwards. You can pick something out for bravery of getting shots and stuff. And he's like, yeah, I'm just excited. I know what I'm going to get. It's fine. We get there, we check in everything. Yeah. Yeah. Mom. Stop. Stop. You don't have to check in with me. I'm fine. Walk down the hallway. They open the door to where you get the shot. He looks in there, turns around and runs down the hallway. There's nothing in the room, just a chair for him to sit on while they give him the shot or take blood from him or whatever it is. He's crying. He's screaming. <laughs> Meanwhile, Chipmunk, my little weirdo, just honestly just sits there, watches the whole fucking thing. I ask him if he wants me to hold his hand. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. He's just fine with it. Um, and so like, I know that's my punishment for wiling out when I used to have to get shots. And the last time, what stopped me from having to do it is I went to a, a, a little, I went to a very small school in um, Eastern Virginia on a very small weapons base. And... What we would do if, like, if you're on the basketball team or whatever, you have to have your, you have to be up to date on your shots. And what, and we were all military kids. So what we would do is, like, the first practice of basketball, we would just get in a line and walk over to the fucking clinic on the base. Because it was a super small base. And they would just give you your shots. Like, you bring your military ID. <laughs> you'd be in the care of, like, your gym teacher. And, and they just be like, yeah, so I got these 12 or whatever, however many kids and, uh, pull up their records, see if they need vaccinations. And they'd be like, yeah, they do. And so like, and we used to have to take piss tests and stuff. I mean, not that they were looking for drugs or anything. It was more like they were just like, it was part of your physical. Like, so we go get a physical with the rest of our friends and the team. And my school was so small that like every girl that was in seventh or eighth grade was on the basketball team. Otherwise we wouldn't have had a basketball team. We had like, if I decided I didn't want to play basketball, there were, there weren't enough people to play. So like, we would, 
So we'd all just walk over. These people you went to school with all the time. You spent all your time. You played with them. The gifted and talented was the entire fucking school. And so, like, you went off and did your shit. Like, everything you did was with them. And so, like, I'm not going to, like, wild out in front of every person, every friend I have in the world. I'm not going to do that. So that's when I started, like, being like, Oh, like, you've got to control yourself. <laughs> and my daddy even said the night before, before we did, he was like, I'm not going to be there to to sit on you and keep you in the... <laughs> I'm like 11 years old at this point. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know, I know. Again, just like Turtle, I, I'm like, I would lie the whole fucking way. I would lie until we sat. I'd be like, I'll be fine, I'll be fine. And then someone would pull out a needle and I'd be like, I'm not fine! <laughs> But what I started doing once I started like having to do things in that space is I just wouldn't look. And that was super helpful for me. Um, they had all these posters and things to read on the wall and I would just turn and read those posters over and over to myself and just request that they do not like, I'm going to sit still from this point on and do not be like, and here it comes. Don't do that to me. Just do it. <laughs> just do it. And, and Obviously, you feel it when it goes in, but, you know, like, at that point, it's in there. So, um, that's what I did today. I told Shirley, I was like, Shirley, I need to look over here. Um, you don't need to let me know when you're about to do it. I'm just going to stay still. And I did that. I looked off into one of my other car windows, and <laughs> she poked me. And then I had to stay for about 15 minutes um, while they make sure I didn't die. And they were like, listen, park your car over here. If you're feeling symptoms or something's happened to you, honk the horn, put on the hazards. We'll come over right away. And that's what I did. So I left there. I had to stop at Home Depot because what is my life if, if not a trip to Home Depot? What is it? So I had to get some things for that because I have another project I'm thinking about doing. And then I got home and some of my kids are down like for naps. So I told my husband I need his garage, his man cave. He wasn't trying to give it to me. He was like, I just got in here. You've been gone all day. I'm like, I know, but I need it. Do I need to show you a nipple? Like, how do I get this space? How do I, how do I get you to leave your own space and give it to me? And he, he did. So he's out there. <laughs> and I mean, now it's time to record. Um, for those who live in Texas and are wondering how I got a vaccine, this is what I did. Like, you can go to like, H-E-B, C-V-S, or like, you know, numerous pharmacies and they, and you can like stalk their websites to get a vaccine. That's helped some people. I don't want to do shit like that. I went through the Austin Department of Health and signed up. They told me when they were going to drop vaccine uh, appointments. Like these are Beyonce tickets or some bullshit. And they do the screening for you like whether you're eligible or not, they, uh, and they tell you when they're going to drop, you come back in to your account, sign in. And the next time they're going to do an appointment drop is the 22nd, which is Monday at, I think it's about five 6 PM. You log in at five 6 PM. Don't quote me on that time. Go check the website. They automatically assigned you, 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 you've chosen your county at this point too. They assign you a random number. Whoever's in the waiting room at when it starts, they assign you a random number in the line. And then as you come 
into the waiting room. They you you're you're put into the line, and then as people, it starts going in order. You get ten minutes to click next and choose where you're gonna go. Uh, you can choose walk in or, or or drive up. I suggest. They go fast, but I suggest you just drive up. And the reason I suggest you use that is so that you can sit comfortably in your car. Also, if you have children like I do, I didn't know if my husband was going to be working today. So I was just like, you guys get in the car. Like I could have them in the car with me. I could not walk them into a center with me because you can only, only the person can go. Or I would have had to leave them in the parking lot alone, which is borderline illegal. Depends. My oldest is 10 going on 11 and and people think he's 13. So I don't know if that would have been an issue, but certainly you can't leave my four-year-old in there. Like it, so I don't, I don't, I didn't want to have to be in a position where I'm doing something that I don't want to do. And I, it might be illegal, probably is illegal to try to go get my vaccine. I don't want to be on the news as woman arrested trying to get a vaccine because she left the kids in the car. So uh, that's it. That's all you have to do. It's Austin. You go to Austin Public Health. Uh, department and you need to register and then you need to sign in in a certain time and they do this several times a week so if you don't get it on the first try go back the second time it's it you don't while you're waiting to while you're in line you don't need to do anything you're signed in your computer stays open uh for me i was just like i was watching everybody loves raymond and organizing my desk while this was happening so it wasn't that big of a deal um, my wait was like two hours when I was in line, but that was like number five something. So if you're number 2000, it's going to be a lot longer. So just keep that real, keep that in your head that your computer just needs to stay open and you need to check on it. And then also at the bottom, it tells you it's like an estimated one hour before you will be before you will be scheduling your appointment. So that's also helpful so that you don't have to be like, oh my God, did I miss it? You can just be like a constant. Like as you get closer, it'll be like 15 minutes until you're scheduling your appointment. So you can get an idea. It wasn't super easy. Like I was saying, I've, I've said this on my bonus episode. So just, I'm um, just bear with me here because I know not everyone listening to this heard my bonus episode. Um, it, because I live in Travis County, I live in a blue area, you know, if you live in Dallas, if you live in Houston, like it's a little harder to get a vaccine than if you live in someplace like Midland or Lubbock or outside of Corpus Christi or like some, or some of these smaller towns because you, more people want vaccines here. You know, if, you know, I lived in bumfuck Texas, it would not be as par- hard, like that County, it wouldn't be as hard to get a, a vaccine in that County because I'm competing with less people. I believe that the whole vaccine rollout and not just in Texas around the country is, is bullshit. I really do. I don't think people should be lined up like they're trying to get Beyonce tickets or like it's the fucking old Navy flip-flop sale. I do. I don't believe people should be doing that. I really believe there are better ways to do this. That said, Austin Public Health Department was pretty efficient. And today, while I was getting my vaccine through the drive-thru, incredibly efficient. Like, they had this shit down. They were like a fucking machine. They <laughs> like, they were like, tune to this station on your radio so we can give you the instructions. This is what you should do. And there are people coming by. And yes, you need to keep your mask on even if you're in a fucking car. Yes, <laughs> 
Like, people uh, directing you, like, air traffic controllers. Like, really, like, fucking great. Um, so if you are in my area and you're wondering how you could have, oh, if you're wondering how I'm eligible for a vaccine, it's none of your business. Stop asking people how they're eligible for vaccines. Everyone should just get them when they can get them. But you know, I'll tell you, I'm fat. Okay. I'm a fat person. I also have chronic illnesses that put me at higher risk for COVID. I have a compromised immune system. Um, so there, that's how I got it. But if someone asks you how you are eligible for a vaccine, tell them to mind their business. And if you find yourself in the in the position where you can get a vaccine, go fucking get it. Get it. Everybody should get it. The more people get it, the better off we'll all be. Um, I think that's all I want to talk about with that. Um, oh, let me tell you what my fucking kids did yesterday, y'all, before I get started here. You know, I got plenty of fucking time. It's It's fine. You guys didn't come here for the news or anything. You're 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 fine to listen to a couple stories. So my kids, I don't usually let them play out front. They almost only play in the backyard. And the reason they only play in the backyard because that's where they can have they can be supervised. And so my my bigs, my ten, nine, and eight year old, is spe- are the only ones that can go out front at all without an adult. My four and five year old doesn't make sense for them to be out front. Why would they be out front? So somebody can kidnap them so they can run from the street and get hit. Because that's what they want to do. They love running in the street. It's their favorite fucking thing. Running in the street. If they had a Tinder account and they'd be like, and under loves, it would say running in the fucking street, getting hit by cars, trying to kill our mother (laughs) through stress. That's what it would fucking say. So in the backyard, everyone can play in the backyard. Bigs can play in the backyard alone. Uh, Littles can only play in the backyard with an adult or big. And out front, littles can only go out with an adult. And bigs can go out sometimes. But most of the time I say no. And why do I say no? Because I only let my kids play on our block. They can't they can't go other places. And you know, we're in a fa- we're in a panorama, baby. So I don't know what you want to do out there. Um but you know, they've been begging. They've been like, please can we go out and play? And there are other kids out there. And so these are kids, my kids are in person school most of the time. Sometimes they're out of person school. It really depends on the week. It's stupid. I hate it. We've established this. But these are kids they go to school with. So they see them anyway. So so I'm like, okay, listen. We're in a panorama. We're in a panda bear, guys. So uh when you go out there. Sure, it's fine to ride bikes with the little girl down the street or whatever. It's fine to play basketball and stuff. But let's just, like, try to... I know you can't keep six feet of distance. You don't even know what six feet is. But let's just try to, like, you know, hold back. Let's not be all up on people. Let's also... You're not allowed... Like, this is a general rule. You're never allowed to go in someone else's home. Ever. You really aren't allowed to go in someone else's home now. Not even their backyard. You... You should be visible to me. Because I go out and I check on them like every 20, 30 minutes, depending on the time. And so when I walk out into my driveway and I look down here, I should be able to see you. And if I can't see you, we got a motherfucking problem. So don't do that. And also, do not eat food from other people's houses. That's always been a rule. Always. I grew up with that rule. Do I think the rule is fair? No. But it's but it, I, but it serves its purpose. I was never allowed to eat from anyone else's home for all sorts of reasons. Like... It's different if I was spending a night, which I almost never got to spend a night unless it was like a babysitting situation 
uh, like someone was babysitting me or something like that there or a relative my mom just really didn't believe in sleepovers to that extent and also I didn't sleep over places I was really bad at it so I'm not allowed to eat from people's houses like if I am three doors down and I am thirsty I am to come home and for all court for all manner of reasons like I remember once I was I got a little bit more freedom than my, than, than my kids ever will have but I was like in an apartment complex. I was like several buildings down and just playing outside with a little girl. And her mom came out and was like, do you want a popcorn ball? Like, I guess she made popcorn balls or whatever. And she gave it to a little girl. And then she asked me, did I want one? And you would have thought she was offering me heroin guys. I was, I froze. I was like, what does the dare officer tell me? <laughs> I froze and I was like, um, no, thank you. And she was like, are you sure? Because I have a lot of them. And I was just like, my heart was beating so fucking fast. I was like, oh my God. If one of my brothers sees me with fucking popcorn, they're going to ask me, where did you get that from? And the answer wasn't, mama came down here and gave it to you. Bitch, you in trouble. <laughs> I was freaking out. Such fear, like, you know, <laughs> when, when I used to have to go to dare classes when I was younger, they would always act like people were just giving out drugs to people. Like, just being like, here, take it, take it. You better do this, Coke, or we're going to beat you up, which has never been an issue. <laughs> no one's ever offered, people don't even offer me drugs. They offer me rides to the buffet with them. They don't offer me drugs. <laughs> but, uh... I was like, that never happened, but certainly somebody did offer me some popcorn balls and my mother absolutely told me not to eat <laughs> from anybody's house. And so, like, this is a rule. The reason, the, it's not that I think, my mom thought people were going to poison us. And that was part of it. But the other part is, like, don't embarrass me. There are certain manners. You need home training. And you are not to be up and down the street acting like you don't eat and taking other people's food. We don't want you to be the little, the, the little kids in the street that everyone's like, you know, their mama don't fucking feed them. She ain't even home. She doesn't feed them. They're hungry. Like, and I, and so don't embarrass me. That's why I say it. I don't really think the, my neighbors are going to poison my kids. I know most of them, if, if by sight, if not by well enough to speak to, uh, most of them have kids that go to school with my kids. I'm not super concerned about being poisoned, my kids being poisoned, but I am super concerned about them running up and down the street, embarrassing the fuck out of me. But guess what? Guess what? They were outside for 40 minutes. 40 minutes. And I went to go look. And in the span of that 40 minutes, they had dropped into a barbecue of a stranger and was eating there. They had ice cream from another person's house. And uh, Bunny had gotten her hair French braided by a neighbor. And a panorama. And a Pandora's box. That's... <laughs> I made them come home and they're grounded. And again, like, it's not like, again, my, I talk about my kids like they're the baddest motherfuckers in the world and they're not bad at all. Taking them to the park is really good for me because I'm like, oh, actually, look at these badass kids over here. Look at that kid. That one calls mom a bitch. My kids aren't like that. What? <laughs> I just do not. Like, even if someone offers you food, I, they're, sometimes they're offering to be polite because, yo, 
it's dinner time and your ass won't go home. Like it's, it's, it's that. And I just want to be clear that, that this is like inappropriate behavior. And especially for Bunny. Bunny is, has attachment issues that stem from years of foster care and being left places and bio parent issues. And she just, and recent adoption, she just has attachment issues. And she often attaches herself to people. She's also, like, she's been in foster care for so long. She's used to, every person that comes to, her, to a home is there to visit her, right? They are, because she's got a casa, she's got an attorney, she's she's got the judge that's calling her, she's got she's got a two caseworkers. She, like, she's used to shit like that. And one of the things we're working on now is that, like, one, not everyone needs to know your business. You don't need to tell the bus driver about all your personal business. And two... Not every adult who smiles at you is your new mom. That's that's not... So it's not like I think these kids went out there to like purposely embarrass me, to purposely scam ice cream sandwiches from people, none of that shit. But they need more practice. <laughs> they need more practice. <sighs> they just... 40 minutes! <laughs> and the panda bear. They just were like, you know what? Fuck this. Somebody's barbecuing, let's go. <laughs> and then Bear Bear, like, for the rest of the night, like, they're eating, you know, they had to take, they went to bed a smidge early. Um, by the way, Cheeks was like, uh, I just don't know why I'm in trouble because I was inside the garage and you, that's not the same as a house. <laughs> I didn't know, I didn't know a garage was a house. This not fair. like, oh my God. He always tries to like lawyer me in, in, into some like technicality or some shit. You went inside. You, you know the difference. Don't, don't fuck with me. But anyway, the rest of the night, so they had to get, they had to get, take their baths and they had to go to bed a smidge early. And Bear Bear, who's four, was just like, he got in trouble for something. He had to go to the corner. And when he came back to the table to finish eating, Bunny had said something like, oh, well, you, you have to like, I don't know. Bear Bear's man table manners are like off the fucking chain. So maybe she had said something like you have to like not stick your tongue out with food or like you have to sit quietly while you're eating or whatever. And Bear Bear turned to her and says, you have to not go inside other people's houses. <laughs> like, bitch, don't tell me what I need to do. You out here getting your hair French braided in the street. You need to... <laughs> I just... I love sassy children when they're not being sassy with me. Um, so let's get to this. We're done with season six of Buy Pumpkin. And we're on to season seven, which will be my 600 pound life. I've already lined up a few guests for it. Like it's gonna, guys, I'm excited for it. I'm excited. But let's do some palate cleansers. Let's, let's, let's take a, let's take a couple of breaths before we move to the next thing. And this week, I wanted to talk about Trixie Mattel's documentary. It's called Moving Parts. It is from 2019. It is from her um, her live show that she toured with, Moving Parts. Before that, I think it was ages three and up. And I think she, I think she's got she had a set a third show called Skinny Legend, but I don't know if it ended up touring as much as it wanted to because of the pandemic. We'll see. Um, so like, before we get started, let's let's be let like I Trixie Mattel is a drag queen, right? So Trixie Mattel 
the Tris, uh, Trixie, or excuse me, Trixie Mattel, Tracy Martell is a character who is a woman. Okay. But the character, the person who plays Trixie is Brian, a man. As far as I know, identifies as a man. I'm going to use he and she interchangeably because that's what Trixie and Brian do. They, he and she. Um, for the most part, I do that with drag queens. The exceptions would be those who have transitioned to another gender, those who identify as non-binary. I try very hard to use, to be like very correct with the pronouns. And I do that because it's like a sign of respect that I, that one, I see you, I hear you, I am trying to be respectful with you. I, as culturally, I often call people girl. Like I call my husband girl, I call my son's girl, my daddy girl, I, I've called a police officer girl because, you know, it, it's just the way I talk. But when someone's been very clear about what their pronouns are in that, and I try not to misgender people. Um, I'm saying that because like, uh, I am going to do an episode about Drag Race this season. Like, Got Mick has certainly all the podcasters I know who talk about Drag Race or who talk about all the, uh, YouTubers to talk about drag race have like got Mick has lots of people tripping up over their pronouns. And, you know, as we talk more about gender and as we, as we get more, I don't know, as we, as we move into a more progressive society, like gender becomes gender expression, gender, um, becomes more, I don't know, it makes some of these conversations a little bit more complicated. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I'm just like, want to be clear here that like, you may see me switching pronouns and or hear me switching pronouns in this episode. It's not a sign of disrespect. It's not like, I have not heard of Brian um, coming out as non-binary or trans. So I, so like, I'm not like trying to, trying to be rude at any point. It's just my understanding is that it's okay like he is fine with either one, uses either one and is fine with either one um, in terms of like the work. Um, let's start off at the beginning. I love drag queens. I love drag queens. I, I always have loved drag queens. Um, I've started going to see drag shows when I was like 18, 19 years old, when I was old enough to get into these bars with a, without a uh, band, it's a second drink, you know, those 18 uh, uh, places. And most of the queer spaces I frequented when I was younger also had drag in them. And, you know, it's, <laughs> that word queer, it's hard. It's only the last few years that I have been thinking of myself as queer um, it's hard because I am bisexual, but I'll, to a lot of people, bisexual means, oh, a, a female bisexual means that you are someone who dates men, but sometimes will have sex with women for, for performative reasons, for like that sort of thing. And that's not how I feel. And, but because I've been, a, I've been in a, a heteronormative seeming relationship for we are starting our 15th year together and 
to a lot of people, you know, me talking about being bisexual is, is kind of gross because like, I don't have to deal with any of the stuff that other people who identify as queer have to deal with. Like nobody questions my marriage. Nobody, uh, questions that our children or how we got them. You know, even though the Supreme Court has upheld um, marriage for all, it is still difficult for people in certain states, certain counties to get marriage licenses because the way it works is the, is the federal law is an umbrella and the state law and county laws under, and underneath the state laws can be much more strict. And so they can make it super hard for you. Um, there are still people, even though like federally we have marriage for all, there are still people who have difficulty getting married where they live because, you know, the people around them don't like what their marriage looks like. And so like, I've always, I've really resisted like calling myself queer. I've really resisted that. It doesn't, it's, it's hard for, you know, I have a friend who, um, has had a chronic, um, disability, this might not be the right words, but she she has resisted calling herself disabled for a really long time. Mostly because she felt like her disability wasn't as prominent. Like you couldn't look at her and tell. Um, other people had had um, more intense disabilities. And this year, she's been talking more about it. And she's like, I have been scared to call myself disabled before someone else might show up and be like, you're not disabled enough. I'm disabled more, so you can't be disabled. And that's essentially how I've been feeling about the queer thing. It's been a couple of years of me kind of being like, actually, Princess, it doesn't matter what your family and personal configuration is. You fit underneath it. You can identify that way. And it's not going to take from somebody else's queerness. And it's not going to, and no one else is going to show up and be like, ha we don't think you're queer enough. And if they do, then fuck them. And so like, I bring this up because I spent most of my late teens and early 20s in predominantly queer spaces. And this is where I learned to learn drag, the love drag. And um, I've talked about this before, so I'll try to be brief about it. But when, when I first got into drag, I like... I thought the drag I loved was the drag where the female illusion, like I wanted you to look like, I wanted not to be able to tell that you weren't a woman, right? I wanted you to look like a seven foot glamazon. That was what I loved. And I, you know, definitely Southern drag. I love the big hair. I wanted pageant girls. I wanted that. I want it polished. I like, that was my, that's, that's what I thought drag was. And to me, that's what drag was at the time. And it was only, if you had talked to me then, little young princess about that, she would have been like, some of the people that I love now, she would have, like that young princess would have never thought that eventually she would like love a bald queen. Like love, love, love a fucking bald queen. Love it. Um, that person, like Monet Exchange is one of my favorite drag queens. 
Monet, I would fuck Monet Exchange in and out of drag. Monet Exchange is so fucking cute to me. I, this, I, what, I guess ratchet drag to a certain extent is what people call it, but Monet Exchange's drag is so cute to me, so attractive to me, but Young Princess would have been like, where's her gown? <laughs> where's her gown? Where's her wig? What? Pussycat wigs. No, 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 no one. Big, big hair. And, but over the years, who I am has changed. What attracts me has changed. Drag has changed as well. Um, I've talked about how RuPaul, RuPaul getting this show and this show become incredibly popular has, as they say, done fucked up drag. And I understand what people mean by that is that People act like RuPaul is the arbiter of all drag, and which isn't true. And what I wish for RuPaul is to, is to for him to speak more, less definitively on drag. RuPaul does not define drag. The show doesn't define drag. I wish, because, you know, a few years ago, he was in a magazine being like, because they were asking him about bio queens, about uh, cis women who do drag. And trans queens even though even though and even though trans people have existed alongside drag forever in and out of drag like that drag and transness have held hands forever RuPaul got in that interview and was like I don't think we'll have a trans person or I don't know about I just don't know what like and I'm like Ru I wish you'd said what we all need to say is like, I don't know where drag is going. The whole point of drag is for it to go places that we do not, unexpected places. That's the whole thing. Subversion is the whole thing about it. And so like, you know, the words have been eaten because first of all, drag race has always had trans uh, contestants on there, whether they're out or not. And they had openly trans characters like Peppermint um, after this after this interview. And now we have Got Mick, who's a trans contestant. Um, I, I think it's going in the right direction. But why did I even start talking? About, oh, I started talking about that because I was trying to say that when I first fell in love with drag, I couldn't have tell you where it was going to go for me. I couldn't tell you who my favorites were going to be. I couldn't have tell you what would like blow my fucking wig off now. I couldn't fucking tell you that. But every year, something's new, something different, something, something exciting. Guys, actually, so when I get my second uh, vaccine shot, and then I think you have to wait some weeks before your, before your, um, actually inoculate it. What I, what I'm really excited to do is to go back to volunteering out in the community with unhoused people. Um, I'm really excited about that. And the second thing I'm really excited about is I want to see once the panda bear is over, I want to see in person drag. I want to see like, I had, it'd been a couple of years since I've been to like shows and stuff. I just got busy and like, I'm old. I don't, Sometimes I'm like, what time are we going? What's the parking situation like? Ugh. Can I watch it on TV? But 
in 2020, one of the things I promised myself is I was going to see more local in-person drag, right? Support local queens, you know? And I, like, you know, the panorama just blew it up for me. But once, so uh, lots of people are like, oh, I can't wait to travel. I can't wait to do this. I can't wait to go out to eat. I can't wait to, I don't want to do any of that stuff. I want to go see drag. I want to see drag queens in person. I want to tip motherfuckers. I want to put out that. I want to, I want them, I want some big ass (laughs) fashion clown to (laughs) to pull a five out of my hands and smile at me with overdrawn. That's what the fuck I want. That's what I want to do. I'm so I'd be so excited. Um, so let me talk about my feelings about Trixie Mattel because that's what I'm here to do, right? Trixie Mattel, <laughs> I had, <laughs> I'm just gonna admit some mean stuff about myself, okay? Right now, that's why I'm kind of like him and hawing. So Trixie Mattel was on season seven of RuPaul's Drag Race. By the way, I've been watching Drag Race since it fucking started. And I remember when I used to just watch this little quirky little fucking show that a lot of people around me would be like, what the fuck are you even talking about? And now it's like this huge fucking thing. And, you know, as with anything that you liked first before it became a thing, it feels like people are trying to take it from you in a certain way. And it feels like... There's a lot of times I'm like, I wish I hadn't gotten this popular, but it being popular is going to be the reason why I mean, we already have other drag shows. And I don't mean other drag shows by World of Wonder, which is um, the production company, Randy Fenton, and I just forgot the other person's name. Uh, the production company behind, I mean, they actually own RuPaul's Drag Race. RuPaul is a host and is paid. It's not the same. World of Wonder owns it. I'm not just talking about the other shows that World of Wonder is putting out there. I'm not talking about like, um, you know, Drag Race Done Under or Canada's Best Drag Race, whatever the fuck they called it. I'm talking about things like uh, Dragula and things like that. Um, it's enabled a space for, it's identified an, an audience for shows like that. And I can't wait until... We have more drag shows on network TV that don't involve RuPaul, that don't involve this um, concept of what drag is. Because, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race is very specific drag, right? I've talked about this when I talked about the intervention, how intervention allows, makes all of us long-term fans think we all know about a drug and alcohol addiction. You know, Project Runway makes us all think that we know how to be... um, a fashion designer, Top Chef makes us think we all know how to run a bit, uh, how to start a restaurant and run a business and things like that. Um, and Drag Race makes us all think that we know how to do drag. You don't know how to do drag. You, you, if you've watched this show for as many years as I have over and over again, you know how to win Drag Race. You don't know how to do drag. That's a different thing. And I'd like, I'd love for we have more representation of drag in network TV and pop culture besides the show. I don't hate RuPaul's Drag Race. I enjoy it. I, I, I watch it live every fucking week. I love that fucking show. But there are other things. And I'm, I'll be excited when Dragula is, you know, Dragula might be on network TV soon. I'd love to see some other drag shows. I'd love to, I keep saying this, 
I'd love to see a reality show about a drag club that's not in New York or LA and or even Orlando because those are huge but you know what I'm saying like a drag show a, a drag club that's not there that follows the lives of the performers and the evolution of their work over a year and films there I, I love I love a series like that and, and I'd love to get like kind of more more perspectives. I want to see newcomers. I want to see somebody in their first year of doing drag while they still work down at the nursing home. You know what I mean? Like, I want to see what it's like to do drag part-time until you can, as you try to build up a big enough brand and business that you can do it full-time. I want to see your veterans. I want to see someone who's been doing drag 20 years at this fucking, at this club. I want to see what their life is like. I want to see... Like, I, I'm really excited about stuff like that. And I'd love to see some, I, I just want more representation of drag and not just this show. Because this little beady beady show, as, as the All Right Mary guys call it, um, they're making fun of, they're not making fun of Gia. They are celebrating Gia's, uh, a line Gia did on her season, Gia Gunn. Um, but this little beady beady show is... Great, but it's not all it is. And Dragula, as much as innovative and, and interesting as it is, it's not for me because I don't like gore. Like, I don't find that interesting. So I'd love to see some different versions of drag on TV that don't come from World of Wonder. Um, you know, maybe I'll live long enough to see it. Uh, the, the more popular drag race gets, the, the more likely we will see it. But... Trixie. So Trixie on season seven and Trixie didn't light my fire on season seven. I, I didn't hate her. I hated Violet Charchi. I didn't hate her. A thing you should know about me when it comes to my queens. I don't, I just don't accept an unlikable queen. So <laughs> I don't want, I don't want my winner to be unlikable. I just don't like it. And so like a, the Tyra Sanchez season two, two. Season three is Raja. Season two, I didn't like it. I wasn't here. I wasn't here for it. I don't. I don't accept any queen that I that that I think is a brat. Um, I didn't really like Raja that much because Raja was kind of an asshole. But uh, Raja's grown on me over the years, though. So, so I'll take that back. Um, why was I talking? Oh, because I was talking about how I wasn't that excited about by like Chachki. I I'm not like. I love a comedy queen. That's what I love. I'm not like super into like fashion dolls and mostly because it feels like if you're a fashion queen, although I know this, like, this is just my opinion. I'm not trying to down anybody. It feels like if you're a fashion queen, all you have to do is be skinny and be able to afford costumes. And I know there's a taste level to it, but it's, that's what it felt like to me at the time. And I, and so I just don't identify with them. Trixie is obviously someone I would identify with. But at the time, I don't know, she just didn't light my fire. So she's season seven. She didn't do amazing. And then she came back. To, but then she had a great career. So what happened is that kind of the reason you are even listening to my podcast is that people like authentic people. People like people that you can see yourself in, that you can laugh with. And Trixie is definitely one of those people. And it didn't help that her and Katya, the other drag queen um, that does... Uh, with her um 
on the same they were they were on the same season became very good friends and World of Wonder gave them a little show and it got very very popular and one of the reasons it's very popular is because both of them are charismatic especially Katya Katya is you know what I'll talk about Katya in a little bit also named Brian but I'll talk about Katya in a bit but part of the reason the show is so successful is that the two of them talk and they're both funny and they they interact well because they're friends they have a good chemistry and then the editors also do this thing where they edit around them uh add in graphics moving them around and that combination just hit with certain people and in fact it is like they're inc- incredibly popular their fans are usually very young and that makes it sound like they've got two year olds as fan. What I mean is that they 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 have a young fan base, um, you know, and so what happened is that Kant is that Trixie's even though Tr- Trixie is the is the perfect example of somebody who won Drag Race but didn't win Drag Race, at least not on her season, and it's because afterwards her career went bigger and bigger and bigger. I'll tell you why Trixie's career went 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 the way it went. Um, Trixie is. One, like I just said, she's very authentic. She's offbeat. Perfection is not one of those. I'm talking in absolutes. And I don't want to talk in absolutes. But I'm saying that it's very hard to see yourself when someone's perfect. When someone's offbeat, a little quirky, a little weird. It's easy to see yourself in them. She's talented. Trixie can sing and play music. Like she, There's things she can actually do. You know, um, being a drag queen is just getting up in the geesh and like, you know, and, and entertaining people. And Trixie has a real talented, uh, a concrete way to do that. Uh, she's also funny as fuck. She's a comedian and she's a super, super hard worker. She is someone who is very interested in the work, very interested in getting things done and very interested. Like, uh, I think she takes her business very seriously so when all stars three came trixie's on the show and i'm still getting to the part where i had my issues with trixie um trixie's on the fucking show all stars three was a great season um they had an amazing cast people we hadn't seen in a while um kitty girl that is, I, that's a song I still play. So, you know, every, every season of anything, they have them do their own verse on top of a RuPaul song. And RuPaul's songs are not always great. I mean, there are some that are, that I really like and a lot that I'm like, who did this? <laughs> and, you know, the loss of Lucian Piani, um, Godspeed, whatever's going on with him. Uh, last I heard he was sober and he was doing what he, you know, working his way back but um yeah the songs aren't always great but kitty girl was so good everybody's verse for was so good even bb's even when i was like bb are these words you're saying they were so good like i actually listened to this song i listen to kitty girl all the time all the time don't have me walking somewhere where it almost feels like I'm on a runway because I will get into it I love kitty girl but it was a really good season and Trixie won but here's the deal (laughs) I know there are a lot of people that would be like well Trixie you know she she 
her very her very uh, popular web show uh is through world of wonder who produces uh rupaul's drag race they were this was also when she was they were doing the vice tv show like she's in she, listen her and world, world of wonder are like this you can't see me but my fingers are crossed together <laughs> they're, they're like this um and there are people that are that are that are saying that trixie won because um of behind the scenes stuff i don't this i I don't, I don't know if that's true. I don't think that's true. I don't think that has to be true. I think Trixie's a really good drag queen. It, she didn't have to win because of that. But a couple of things happened that, that season. Oh, one of the reasons it was such a great season is because of all the twists, right? The people coming back and voting, all that. You know? So two things happened that season. The first is that Bendela Krem came back. And Bendela Krem had always said, you know, for some reason, the, the Pacific Northwest girls, the Seattle girls, the that area of the country girls, they don't really... It's not that they mostly stay home, but it feels like they... When it comes to touring, they're not always, like, everywhere. Um... And Ben, you know, Ben had done some one uh, woman shows. Ben's very talented. Not my cup of tea, but, but fine. I can, I can, you know, I can recognize talent when I fucking see it though. And Ben is talented. And Ben had always said he would not go back on the show because he did not believe the show was as, you know how I, I was just talking about how we can't talk about how ethical intervention is because once you dig deep into that shit, once you're in there, do you have to stop watching intervention? Liz says that about Teen Mom. I mean, we almost all reality show, but RuPaul's Drag Race, when you think about it, it's not a talent, it's not a game show. It's a talent show and production's entire job is to fuck with you. And to get, with all reality, to get things out of you. And a lot of times to make you like a fucking asshole or an idiot to serve their storyline, their narrative that they're building, that they started building before they even, you even got to the show. When they cast you, they kind of figured out where what level you were going to be. I mean, things, surprises happen, but they cast filler queens. They, they do that. And, they, and, and they've written a narrative for you and they will cut and paste and use you to fill their narrative. It's, I'm not saying going on the show is worthless. It's not, but you go to the grinder and you are a commodity. And Ben had been open about that, about not wanting to go back and things like that. And I respected that because like, I just respect people knowing what they're not, what they're not here for and then staying away from it. But then Ben shows up on, on All Stars 3. So knowing that about Ben, I was always like, well, what, 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 do you need money? Like what happens? And so Ben comes on, Ben is doing well. Ben is so good, so good. And in terms of drag, right? Remember what I just said, like there's being good at drag and being a great drag performer and being good at RuPaul's Drag Race and slight tweaks to those things. 
but Ben is so good at the game. Not wasn't I think Ben's season was season six, but not talking about like on his season. I don't think Ben Ben really couldn't get out of his head. But on this on this All Stars, he was so good. He was winning. I not my favorite drag queen. Doesn't not excited about what he does. But still, like I was like, yeah, Ben should win this. Ben should win that. Yeah, yeah. And then what happens is that Ben, um. Because part of the, the difference in All-Stars 3 is that you have to send people home. Like, on the regular game, the judges decide who goes, who stays, and you lip sync for your life at the end but on to decide who's going to stay when you're in the bottom two. On All-Stars rules is that you lip sync for who's going to win. Like, the top two lip sync for who's going to win. And if you win the lip sync, you have to decide which of the bottom two go home. Or sometimes bottom three, it depends. And that was too hard for Ben. Because Ben is a quote-unquote nice person. And I'll get back to that. And so it was just too hard. And so what happens is that Ben, after a winning streak, that Ben, ben should have won the fucking the whole fucking show. But he's feeling so guilty from having to send people home and having to, like, the behind-the-scenes stuff. Writes his name on a lipstick. Because you got to pull the lipstick out of your bra. I'm, I'm sure they give it to you right after you lip sync. And tell them who's going home, wrote his own name and sent himself home. Now, there's a couple of problems I have with this narrative, this Bidula Christ narrative. One, there's no fucking way that production didn't know he did He did that. Now, maybe RuPaul didn't know, but there's no fucking way production didn't know this. And in fact, if production didn't know, they stop and start the, the show over and over and over again. They would have stopped the show and said, Ben... You can't do that. Now Ben, they can't, Ben's not a hostage. <laughs> he, they, they don't have to, they they can't keep Ben from leaving if Ben absolutely wants to leave. Ask Adora, Adora left in season two, an all-star season two. Put a pin in that, I want to talk about Adora. But, they could have easily stopped and said, Ben, you can't do that. And Ben could have been like, well, I want to go home and I don't want to do this anymore. And that's fine, but Ben, we're not going to let you get on the stage and do that. But production knew and production allowed it. This is not a, I'm not saying production went to Ben and said, write your own name on the lipstick. I'm not saying that. I'm I'm just saying that you pretending like this was some out of the box, some thing that was done that angered the product. It didn't anger production at all. They, they allowed it to happen. It couldn't have happened without them. So that's one thing. The other thing is I deplore nice people. What I mean by that, being kind, being good, being um, being uh, just, being honorable, that's not the same as being nice. Being nice is a, is a mask, right? Nice is I've set my face a certain way and I use my voice this way to make you feel comfortable. I don't like that. And Ben is a nice person. And what I feel like, and I could be wrong, please don't come for me, this is just my opinion about Ben, is I feel like that's inauthentic. I don't think that's who Ben is. I don't think that's who anybody is all the time. I think that's what you want to show me. And you coming to this game and then being upset that you're back in the shit, when you've already been here, it's not, it's not even like you're on the regular show where people are like, oh my God, I didn't know what it was going to be like. Ben, you know exactly how it was going to be. 
you know, you also with all stars, those girls know who's going to be there. And so I just, I don't have any respect for it at all. I don't like people that say one thing and do another so they could be nice. I don't like people that work really hard to prove to me that they're a nice person because I know that we're all just little, little fucking rabbit animals trying to get through the fucking day. I don't ever want you to think of me as a nice person. Yeah, I try to do nice things. Yes, I, excuse me, let me take it back. I said I try to do nice things. No, I try to do good things. I try to help other people. Volunteering is really important to me. Foster community is really important to me. I would never categorize myself as a nice person because I don't want to be a false person. I, like how, what you think about me isn't, is, when I think of nice, I think it's more about what you think about me Rather than, rather than what is. And that and what you think about me is not nearly as important as what I am and, and what I know about me. And I feel like that's what Ben's like. I feel like Ben was really playing the audience. I That's how I feel. I know there's going to be people who are going to be like, no, Ben, Ben did this, Ben did that, whatever. So I was already annoyed by that. Ben should have won his game. Like there's, I don't, <laughs> I don't find honor in the fact that you're good at a game and you drop out because it makes you feel bad. I do find, like, listen, if, if this is wearing on you mentally, which I think that was a bit, I, I think that's fine. I think it's fine to say no more of this. I respect that. But I do not respect that you showed up here and broke the game because you didn't want anybody to see you playing the game. What the fuck are you doing here? Ben gets on my fucking nerves. And I, to this day, no matter what, I believe Ben should have won that should have won or should have at least been the last people standing because the way RuPaul's Drag Race has changed over the years is that the last, it's not about, because if it's, it's not about your track record because if it's about your track record, then we know who won three episodes from the finale because you kind of know what the track record is. It's more about getting to the end and do, doing the final competition, more like the Olympics, you know, like, you got to do a lot of work to get here and then the final game. And then whoever wins this thing. And if you have a bad day on that day, you just lose. That's what it is. I, I believe Ben should have been at the end. That's what I believe. And it's no, and Ben didn't, Ben decided, I guess, that that's not going to be for him. Um, What else was I going to say? Oh, okay. So that's my first problem. That's the first, like All Stars 3 had me all up in my motherfucking feeling. When Ben left and everyone was like, oh my God, he's so noble. No, the fuck he isn't. No, he isn't. <laughs> that got all, that got on my nerves. And the second thing, and the reason, and this is how my complicated feelings about Trixie. So at this time in my life, no, let's start right here. Shangela's on the episode. Shangela, Shangela, um, you will all remember from season two. Season three. <laughs> Shangela um, was like six months in the drag when she got on season two and was the first to go home. RuPaul let her come back. She popped out of a box. Everyone's unhappy to see her on season three. I would have been too. I'd have been like, bitch, what are you doing back here? You already had your chance. And, and did well in season three. Just had a lot of personality. That am I, I am what? Sickening. That comes from Shangela. Hallelujah. <laughs> I, I really identify with Shangela in season three because she was kind of an underdog. She had a lot of fucking personality and her execution wasn't always great. She didn't, she just didn't have as much experience as a lot of these other girls. Raja Manila, Manila, Manila's drag is impeccable. 
in girl Manila's drag. But that that season was hard for me to watch because between the boogers and the heathers and we're hot and we're cute, no fat girls, and that is, I don't like that. That that's if that's your truth, that's your truth. But I don't. But that doesn't mean I have to fucking like you. And so that year, Shangela really won my heart. She really did. She's funny. She's loud. She's listen. I feel like I have a lot in common with Shangela. And so when Shangela came to All Stars 3, I was really happy to see her. Shangela's had a good, had a, a had a successful, like Shang- Shangela fucking works, baby. Um, Shangela used to live with Jennifer Lewis. <laughs> but um, Shangela's on the this, this show. Um, she's doing a lot of Game of Thrones references, which were annoying, to be honest. But Shangela is so smart. Shangela's a professional. Shangela's like, She's showing us that, like, she said in her verse on, on Kitty Girl, started as a baby and I'm all grown up. And she's, it was such a joy to see her. Because also, she her season had been so much longer ago, so the, the difference between what she was then and what she is now was so nice to see. And I identified a lot with Shangela. At the time, I was having some, making some decisions in my writing career, like, I was finding myself passed over for staff positions and awards and honors and opportunities by younger, whiter <laughs> writers with who were popular with a certain crowd. And it felt like it didn't matter how good my work was. It didn't matter how long I've been working, working towards something. It didn't matter. I was not the right, I wasn't going to be the right look for the thing. And I was really struggling with it. And it came right as All-Stars 3 came. And so what happens at the All-Stars 3? By the way, there is some shit that happened that I was not cool with during the, the, the season. But what happens at the end is that Shangela, Ben, not Ben, Shangela, Trixie, one more person. I forget who it was. Let me look that up. Pause. Oh. So we're at the end. It's Trixie. I believe Kennedy Davenport. Shangela. And um, BB Zara Benet. By the way. BB Zara fucking Benet. In that competition. So annoyed me. It's the reason a winner should never come back. BB won the first season. And everyone was like, she's a mole, she's this, she's not really in the competition. And to find at the end, she's really in the competition, she's just bad. Oof, so fucking angry. But what it came down to is that they brought all the girls that have been voted off back. And remember, if you've been winning, you've been sending girls home, left and right. And so they brought those girls back to vote on who the three would be moving forward. All right? And... They voted Shangela not to be able to move forward because she had won so much. And she had sent so many of them home. I mean, this is the season Milk was on there, basically being like white privilege personified, just like, just horrible. And and they, those bitter bitches voted Shangela off. Now, keep in mind, I'm identifying with Shangela. Now, the fact is Shangela has been killing it. Uh, 
if anybody should have won, like based on the, the track record and the way things were going, um, Ben was doing the best. Shangela was number two. Trixie was was middling, third, fourth, somewhere in there. Trixie just wasn't doing, you know, it's hard to be on that fucking show. It's hard. And so what they did was Ben drops out trying to be nice for everybody. They let those bitter bitches vote off Shangela, who if it came down to it, if she, if it was against her and Trixie, she would have won. And then based on what's left, Kennedy Davenport, which Kennedy does deserves more flowers than she gets, but she wasn't getting her flowers. And BB, who I really believe production, like people will say that about Trixie, that Trixie got pushed and pushed along to stay in the game because, because production had a deal with her. I believe the production had a fucking deal with BB. BB did terrible. BB should have been gone third. At least, should have got second actually. But fine. So we get down in there and they let those bitter bitches vote Shangela out of the game. Afterwards, they're like, well, we didn't think everyone was going to vote for Shangela. So I voted for Shangela. But if I had known everyone was going to vote for Shangela, I wouldn't have. And I was just so fucking mad. And again, I took it very personally. Because like I said, at the time, I was going through some very specific things. And I was like, here is Shangela, consummate professional, like, has been kicking, has been like, in this fucking game, doing her best for years and years and years has gone has grown so fucking much is is doing so many great things and they were just like no not you not you and also the other thing that really bothered me about uh this is that so all stars has an uh, uh all-star hall of fame so what happens is that so the first person won all stars was chad michael chad michaels second person won all stars was alaska these are both a undisputed wins. Like, I don't know. I don't know how you can argue that they, they shouldn't have won their season. They did. So this is the third season. And Trixie wins. So when you look at the Hall of Fame, it's three white men with blonde hair. Now, I know somebody's out there. You already typing. You're like, Trixie's not white. Trixie is white, guys. Trixie has Native American heritage. I believe either... His mother is half Native American or full and Trixie is half and white. But Trixie walks in the world as a white guy. Trixie describes himself as a white guy. Trixie lives like a white guy. Trixie, like, this is the thing about race. Like, people think race is just a matter of, like, what your mother was and what your father. It's also how you walk in the world and how I a medium toned black woman walking the world is very different than how a dark skinned black woman walks in the world. If you can pass for white and you allow yourself to pass for white, passing is more of a passive thing than a, than an active thing. But if you, if you are seen as white and everyone treats you as a white person, that is whiteness. It really is about perception. Race is complicated. I know it is, but Trixie will talk about his native American heritage, which I'm not saying he doesn't have, but is a white person. Trixie Mattel, the character, is a white woman. And so here we are. More more characters and performers of color than anywhere. One that arguably should have fucking won. And if Ben had won, I mean, what is it? But all this rigmarole, Ben leaving, 
Shangela being not even being allowed to compete at the end, even though had the best track record up to that point. And then what your what your result is three white blonde characters in the what? It was so stupid. And it's the reason with All Stars 4, you got half Monet and half uh Trinity. It's the reason you got a tie, which is I almost stopped watching Drag Race after that. That fucking tie. That fucking tie. And I love Monet. But I think it was Trinity's. I think Trinity won that year. I love Monet. I would fuck the dog shit out of Monet. But <laughs> I love Monet so fucking much. But I believe that was Trinity's year and they couldn't give it to her because Trinity is a white woman with blonde hair. And so <laughs> they couldn't do it because they fucked up the year before. And <laughs> I'm, let me let me calm down. Let me calm down. So, all this personal shit that I had going on that I projected onto the show pushed me away from Trixie for a while. And it's not that I don't think Trixie's a great drag queen. It's not that I don't think Trixie should have gone home the first day of All Stars three. No, I don't believe any of that. I think Trixie does is excellent in what she does. But I think Trixie has a built in fan base. I think Trixie. At the time, it just felt like another example of, it felt, <laughs> it, it aired January 2017, and that was our first full year of Trump. Like, the increase, uh, we, there was so many fucking hate crimes that year, so much shit happened, and it just felt like, here it is, like, I don't know, it just felt deeply personal. And it made me feel a way about Trixie for a long time. I still watched, uh, I still did those things. And I, and, but they left a bad taste in my mouth. And also Trixie's fans are, if you think Beyonce's fans are bad, if you think Taylor Swift's fans are bad, Trixie's fans are disgusting. And, excuse me, not all, not all fans. But because they're of they're of they're on the younger spectrum of drag race and drag fans in general, they absolutely act a fucking fool on the internet. And it just I just didn't want to be a part. I was very annoyed by it. That was a long story for me to tell you guys, but I'm just explaining to you why it took me so long to watch this fucking documentary. I love documentaries. I love documentaries, especially behind the scenes of performers. I've been clear that I am not like some Ricky Martin fan, but I watched Ricky Martin's documentary and was like, oh my goodness, do I need to stream She Bangs? Do I need to? Like, I, I love that type of, that behind the scenes stuff. And so I didn't watch Moving Parts for a while and I didn't come to it to the pandemic. And I was like, so this all happened in 2018. It was about two years of me just kind of like, just being a hater and in 2020 during the pandemic I was like should I watch this and I watched it and I was like okay is it time for you to let that go and I was like yeah and and that's when I kind of like worked through the comments like this is why you felt this way and like like to be honest Shangela's not hurt Shangela was in a star is born Shangela's always on tour Shangela's got a whole fucking career it's just another day for her like and if you want to support a queen that didn't win, that like if your favorite didn't win, you can still buy the fucking merch. Go to a show. Like that's how you that's how you show support for somebody. Not by holding a grudge against somebody. You weren't even in the competition, princess. What the fuck? 
I just, I had a lot of grudges that year. And so, <laughs> um, I'm still working through my Ben stuff and I will get there. Okay. I just, uh, I will get there. I'm telling you, I believe Ben is an incredibly talented person and deserves all the flowers. And actually, if Ben won over Shangela, I would have been like, sounds about right. Sounds about fucking right. Ben's doing a damn thing. So, but I'll get there. But so yeah, that's how my my journey to this documentary happened. <laughs> um, like I said, Trixie's like incredibly talented. She's an example of someone who lost her season of Drag Race and still won. You do not have to win Drag Race. You really don't. You just have to get on there and show what you can do and attract your audience to you because they will follow you afterwards. Um, I find, I want to talk about Trixie and Katia right now. So, um, like I said, Trixie and Katia were in the same season. They became friends. And WoW always does like WoW present stuff. Can you guys hear my papers? I'm sorry. I wrote this on like analog this time. Um, oh, before I talk about Trixie and Katia, Trixie says something when he's Brian. Um, he quotes uh, RuPaul and says that uh, RuPaul always talks about being an introvert dressed up like an extrovert. And Trixie feels that way. And I too, I like identify with that. I am somebody who is absolutely a fucking introvert. Actually, we're all ambiverts, by the way. Like, like we're all somewhere on the scale. We, But I am mostly an introvert who looks and sounds like an extrovert. I just have to be, I have to be in the right space, but I can only do that for a short amount of time. Uh, when Trixie is talking about in the documentary about all the, like the meet and greets are hard on him. I don't think I could do that. Like taking in all those other people's energy, that makes it sound like I'll be like, I'm, you know, what is it people call themselves when they can like feel other people's feelings? I don't know. I've forgotten the word, but I'm not one of those people, but I'm just saying like, being in that room with all this energy and like people expecting things from you and you need to give, you have to be on right now. And the meet and greet happens before the fucking show. So then you have to, and you have to conserve amount of energy to go out and do the fucking show. The way people give him things all the time. Like he, like some of the stuff he was showing was super cool. And like, like what an honor, what a motherfucking honor. But like he said, a lot of people, because his like humor is kind of dark, a lot of people like like almost every letter he gets is like I was gonna kill myself. I've been feeling and and that takes a toll on you. It's one of the reasons my DMs aren't open anymore. Like I'm not accepting new DMs from listeners, and it's not because I don't want to interact with you guys. It's that I think it's too easy for people to send me a DM sometimes, and some of the stuff people say is like out of control. I. And I'm not always in a mental space where I can accept some of that stuff. Like Liz sometimes sends me screenshots of her DMs. And like, I'm not even like a famous podcaster, guys. I'm an independent podcaster. I do just fine. I make just, I make plenty of fucking money, but it's just, I'm just a little small podcast. I think Kara's podcast is bigger than me. Troy's is obviously, he's with a network. Um, Liz too. Liz has two really popular fucking podcasts. And the stuff they get, is nowhere compared to what I get in my little inboxes. But Liz will sometimes send me stuff and I'll just be like, what? <laughs> Why would that person 
say that? Why would they? And they'll even, sometimes they'll even think they're being nice. And you're like, but you don't understand. Like, I, we're like living, breathing people walking around here with our own shit. Maybe it's a week like this week where I've been going through it and I'm crying on and off all fucking week. And then you send me a DM demanding that I cover a subject. I'm like, I don't have to do shit but stay black and die. What are you talking about? <laughs> or even, not that I want you guys not to share things with me. Because I do, I do enjoy that part. Like it's one of the nice parts, but it's also one of the hard parts. Where people are like sending you um, stuff about their lives. It's like really sad. And I've been open about my depression. I've been open about suicidal um, ideation. I've been open about that stuff. And then to get like inboxes where people are like saying triggering things. <laughs> and you're like, oh my God. And I try my best to be open with it, but it's just hard. And what I do is such a small little thing. I don't want you guys to think that I'm being inundated with this stuff. I'm really not. Um, it's manageable, but imagine being as famous, Trixie, famous as Trixie Mattel. I think that if we talk about famous drag queens, I think RuPaul, I think Trixie Mattel is right up there fucking RuPaul. I think Trixie Mattel's legacy is going to be something, um, like drag queens. We know that, that, you know, Betty and Joe Beercan know, you know, by name. I think Tristan Mattel is going to be one of them. And so imagine being that fucking popular and that like people identify with you so fucking hard and they just want to share that with you or reach out to you and you have to, I'm sure Trixie has people. I mean, we saw assistance in the, um, in the documentary, but I'm sure people have to filter things for her because there's no way you can just let that happen. Like, all that just be on you. It's difficult. Now I want to talk about Trixie and Katia. So Trixie and Katia are friends. They have great chemistry together. It's so, it's so, it's easy to see them talking to each other. But here's the thing. Katia has a lot of shit. Also named Brian. But Katia uh, was in recovery in season seven um, from, I believe, meth and alcohol and heroin. I believe. I could be wrong. Um, also has some mental illness stuff. Um, when Katya is on, Katya is, per Katya is the real weirdo. Um, compared to, compared to, uh, Katya, Trixie's the straight man. But, <laughs> and, and just, just, uh, a joy, right? A joy. The highs are so fucking high, but the lows are really fucking low. And during this time, especially this documentary, and right, right before All Stars happened, um, Katya was really going through it. And I didn't realize when I watched this that I was going to catch part of it. That So they're doing their uh, uh. And, and Katya's like manic to a certain extent, like yelling, but also apologizing for yelling and just like, Flitting from side to side. And, you know, that's your partner, right? So that's your good friend, but also your business partner. And, you know, people, one of the things people throw at Trixie, which I don't think is true, but okay. One of the things people throw at Trixie is that Trixie 
climb the fame on the back of Katya. And that's because Katya is so popular, but I don't think that's fucking true at all. I th I think Trixie knows it's not true, but it doesn't hurt. You know, even when we know things aren't true, like it doesn't it's it doesn't make it not hurtful to be fucking to hear it all the time. Um, and but also Katya is erratic. Um, who was it? Gosh, it might have been Katya. Katya tells this story of going to visit Bianca, um, another very popular queen from RuPaul's Drag Race. Um, and Katya getting lost and end up in the bushes of somebody else's house and like the police had to come. Like that's a that's a normal thing with Katya. And like I said, it's a combination of drugs and mental illness and just a lot of fucking stuff. And so what's going on while while Katya's being a bit manic in this uh like you can tell something's wrong. And Trixie is trying to advocate for for Katya being like, you can yell if you need to, or, you know, you need a break. You don't need to ask for a break. Just go. Like, this is, this is our show. So if you need a break, go. No one's mad at you. It's okay. Do we need to do this? Do we need to? And just like kind of taking care of Katya in a certain way, but also Katya is, is, is pushing her away because not only am I your friend, I'm your business partner. So there's certain things, there's the, our relationship is complicated. So this is one part where like Katya's outside smoking and um, Trixie goes out to talk to her. Like they're all in drag. I mean, it takes a while to get in drag. It's uncomfortable, drag hurts, it's expensive. It's, I mean, to get all in drag and then they're, they're supposed to be filming quite a bit of things and Katya's having a breakdown. So Trixie goes out and you don't see visual because Trixie's still mic'd is what's going on. And Trixie's like, and Ka as soon as she comes out, Katya's like, I don't, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And, and, Tr and Trixie's like, it's okay. It's okay. Um, I'm not sure what's helpful right now, which is exactly the right way to go at it. Like this is, I've talked about this before. This is something that, um, Kate Gosling did once in an episode that I clocked and I was like, Ooh, I need to do that. And which is, you know, me getting parenting advice for fucking Kate Gosling, but <laughs> Um, one of her kids was sick and they were doing something like going, they had to do school shopping or something. And Kate said to him, I think it was Joel. Kate said to him, what can I do to help? What, what do you need from me? As opposed to being like, you need to do this, sit down, look over here, blah, blah, blah. Take this. You'll feel better. Stop whining. Like, you know what I'm saying? That's what it's, it's kind of a thing parents do. They, they just start ordering. They start telling you what to do. But, and I said, that's a good way that you ask people what they need even if they're your children. And I'm trying to be better about that. Like, so when my kid is like, I talked about this in my bonus episode about how I wasn't coddled or cuddled or even like comforted when I was hurt or sick or anything like that. I was, it was mostly treated as an inconvenience. And so I don't have as much respect for people when they are vulnerable as I should. I have a hard time being a vulnerable and I don't respect other people's vulnerabilities. And I'm working on that in life. And one way I'm doing that is with my kids is like, if they are hurt, even, you know, little kids get hurt. They fall all the fucking time. Every five, everybody's thumb. And you're like, your thumb is fucking fine. <laughs> your thumb is fine. Like I'm cooking dinner. Your thumb is fine. But also they always want band-aids. They're not even bleeding. Like I'm trying to convince them that band-aids are for bleeding, not for hurting. Like putting a band-aid isn't going to change your life. But like, instead of being like, you need to sit down, you need to do this. Here's what I say. 
well, how's, well, what can I help? What can I help with you? Do you, do you think you could, do you, do you think you might feel better if you lay down for a bit? Maybe you can lay on the couch and, and see how your stomach feels after that. Um, do you feel like you're going to like, I, to ask them and what I found, I think the reason I didn't like in the past, I wouldn't, I would be like, don't ask them. Cause then they'll want to do this and do this. What I found is most of the time they wave me off. So that when I hug them or bring them close to me and say, I'm sorry, you feel this way. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. You hurt your thumb. Um, what can I do for you? Do you, what, 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 what do you need? What, what, what do you think will help you make you feel better? A lot of times they'll be like, I feel better now. Which is what I wanted from in the first place. Anyway, <laughs> sidebar, Trixie goes and says, I'm not sure what's helpful. What, what can be helpful? And, um, Katya starts like talking really fast and, and just finally says, I need to be in rehab. I need to be in rehab. I feel like I'm going to like, cause earlier we heard Katya being like, I need to quit this show, but I, that's my friend. I won't do that to her. And like, I understand both the positions there. Like I've been there too, Katya. Like you need to stop all this shit that you're doing. You need to stop. And prop, if you think you need to be in rehab, go to fucking rehab. But yeah, you can't do the show right now. You can't. Um, and pretending like you can just because Trixie needs you to, because I mean, you're, you guys are a business is tough. And I've also been in Trixie's position. Like, this is my job. I just spent fucking four hours getting up in drag and like, we're business partners. Like this is a TV show we're filming. This isn't like, um, a little YouTube show and it would be great if you could perform right now. <laughs> It'd be great if you could do another three hours of this and then go home, have a mental breakdown. But, um, what happens is Katya leaves. Um, Katya, uh, Katya goes to rehab, um, takes a break and they get Bob, the drag queen, who's also pretty famous to come and, and sit in for Katya on the Vice show. The Vice show only got one season and, I think part of that is that Kat is because this is when Katya had her breakdown. I also think that like it is true that Trixie and Katya have a special chemistry together. Um, it's what makes the show. I mean, yeah, all the graphics it's helpful, but what them together makes the show. And Trixie does not have that relationship with Bob. Also. Racism. I'll just leave that there. I know. it's. Don't you get tired of every time you pull the layers back on something, racism is underneath there. But that's where it is. That's where the fuck it, that's where they dusted on. Ra racism. Trixie and Katya's fans are not as excited about Bob. Bob is a black man. And he's not, he's not a twinky black man of your fantasies like, uh, Naomi Smalls, okay? It's, he's a black man. Um, but that's what ends up happening. And like, and then of course, everywhere Trixie goes, she has to answer questions about Katya. And, um, Trixie says something really profound and like smart and true that people will come up to him all the time and say, I really support Katya. I hope Katya gets better, but also... I do not accept that Katya is not doing, is not at work right now. Well, what, which one do you want? 
If you want to see Katya again, if you want to enjoy Katya's work again, you got you to gotta let Katya be gone right now. It's important. It's more important than the work, to be honest, because if Katya can't, like, get herself right, not only will you not have any more work anymore, you might not have any more Katya at all anymore. Sometimes it's got to stop. Um... I'm really like, I was really happy. Okay, so throughout the throughout the documentary, Katya is kind of the specter, right? Because Katya is not always there, but people are always talking about Katya. Um, before uh, Trixie went to Drag Race, which is an important thing to remember about her, which I I think I knew at the time, but again, I was mad. So. <laughs> So I didn't give it the importance I should have. Is that Trixie was doing 12 hour days filming, filming that Vice show. And then stopped filming the day she went off to film All Stars 3. Which is maybe not as, I mean, still long filming days. But also like, there's a mental part to the game, you know? So, um... At one point, Katya is sending, you know, the show is starting to air. So, uh, you know, people are reacting to it. Yeah, Trixie does say something. Another thing I respected or I felt very deeply is how he was ready for it to stop airing because everyone had all these criticisms, which is, I mean, it's what the shit, you put yourself out to be criticized, but it's hard to get that shit back, you know, and not. I keep saying this, criticisms are, you're supposed to accept criticism from people who know what they're talking about, you respect their opinions, you do not, you have no, like, there is no doubt in what their intentions are with you. That's who you take criticism from. But when you get on a show like that, you receive criticism from everybody, everybody who went to a bar and watched it this week. Everybody who heard what happened. Everybody who watched at the corner of their eye while looking at their fucking phone. And a lot of people have no problem tweeting at you, DMing you, like being being like, you suck, what's wrong with you? Like, and I was not one of them, by the way, but I'm just saying, like, a lot of people have no problem doing that type of stuff. And he's still on tour. So um But at this point, Katya saw the show, and Katya's sending him wild text messages that so Katya's a little weirdo anyway. So the fact is that if, even if Katya was in a good place, you might get weird text messages from him. And in person, it might come off different because of the energy and stuff. But to kind of be like in a weird place with Katya and also be getting text messages saying, you've committed the cardinal sins, you're boring on TV and you need to lose. And the, like to get stuff like that and it's in text so you don't have to take it, you're in kind of a weird place. And like, what do you, like, I wouldn't even answer that. I might've liked it. <laughs> on iMessage, you can like somebody's message. I might've liked it and left it at that. But like most of the time, if you send me something and I don't know how to take it, like if you were to tweet me and I'd, if I don't respond to your tweet or even like it or anything like that, it's because I don't know how to take it. I don't know how you miss that. Like, if it even has a whiff of you at of you like fucking with me, then I just skip over it. Because what what am I supposed to do? What am I, am I supposed to 
tweet you back and be like, what did you mean by this? For the most part, I just go, okay, let me just, I'm over that. I, I can't, I don't have the middle space for that. And so, but like, this is his business partner and his best friend, his best friend. <sighs> Tough. Um, I will say this. I was very happy to see, uh, I was very happy to see Katya at the end at like a viewing party and stuff. And I was like, oh, thank goodness. And I knew that they worked out whatever because they're back on the show together doing the, the, the YouTube show. So it seems, and they did talk a lot about like the documentary, documentary, um, Trixie asked Katya about like showed him things and was like, is this okay? Is that okay? And Katya was like, you're, you're free to tell from whatever your perspective is. And I think that is a good way to look at it. Another big um, part of the documentary is um, Trixie and his family. Trixie grew up poor um, in northern Wisconsin. When he was on season seven, you definitely heard the Wisconsin in his accent. I love a Wisconsin accent. I love that accent. So good. <laughs> and and um, his... His older brother is five years older than he is. His younger siblings are 10 years younger than he is, um, his younger sisters. And his mom just, you know, she always had a revolving door of people in and out of her house, in and out of her life, men in and out of her life. And when he was 10, she, she married his stepfather who was abusive. And he says he doesn't remember the first time it happened, but he does remember the last time it happened. And, you know, he... His parents were fighting. His stepdad um, came into, like, was was hitting him. He ran off and to his room, and his stepdad, instead of drunk, came in there um, with a loaded gun and put it in his face and threatened him. And um, he went to school sometime that week and told, like, a friend. And later he was removed from his house. And... Um, assuming that he was removed from his house by child services and placed with his grandparents, um, who continued to raise him throughout the rest of the And keep in mind when that guy, when his mom marries that guy, he's 10, his brother's 15. His older brother's like a, in the military, used to be in the military and is a, an attorney and like, they're very different. And his sisters are 10 years younger than him. They're just in a different space. Um, and... Trixie talks a lot about how growing up, he just, it never occurred to him that everybody else didn't go home and want to die all the time. Um, even the fact that he told a friend that, like, it never occurred to him, this is what happens in these traumatic childhoods and environments, is that these things become normalized. And when the kids, when the kids know better, they won't say anything about it. But Trixie didn't even know enough to be like, this should be a secret because somebody's going to find out. Like, it's, it's very hard to hear. And, but when he went to go live with his grandparents is when he started learning, got really interested in music. He was 13, 14 years old. His father, his grandfather was a musician. And it's part of the reason he's a folk musician now. Um, it's part of the reason he's so successful, you know, he's, he had a amazing, that, that his album is really fucking good. Um, 
not that I'm saying he should have gone through that to get to this, but you understand what I'm saying. Like he says, he also says that a part of him thinks about like, he just kind of moved out at 10. And as a, as a mom that was okay with his mom, you know, um, that doesn't surprise me. A lot of people, a lot of people who lose their kids, um, in situations like that, uh, do so not because they are the abuser, but because they are unwilling to leave the abuser. Um, they convince themselves or the people around them convince themselves that that person just doesn't get along with that kid. I'm sure that the, that, uh, it was billed as Trixie and his stepfather just butt heads. And it's better if he stays over at, um, grandma's house. Like it's, but keep in mind that even though Trixie lives with grandma, he is still has, he still, the, you're in a family. So he still has access to his mother. He still has access to his siblings and the abuser still has access to Trixie in certain ways. Um, it's both good and bad, you know, like it's good that you're with someone, you know, but also like, it doesn't like take you completely out of the situation because these people are still a part of your family. The scenes where Trixie is like paying his mom's, I think it's gas bill. And his mom's like, needs a car. And I'm sure Trixie sends money a lot. You know, Trixie is rich um, and famous and trying to like show mom that like, listen, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like trying to have a relationship with mom. And where a lot of people would suggest that he probably shouldn't. Um, it seems like Trixie's mom needs Trixie more than Trixie needs his mom. And that's something to think about. But like, even as he's like paying a bill or like, she's talking about how she needs to, to buy a car and you're, he's listening and I'm like, yeah, he's going to send her like a thousand dollars to buy a car. And you know what I mean? Like, I mean, he's not going to buy her a Mercedes, but he's going, but like, you can Western, you're going to Walmart wire her a thousand dollars, you know? And, but he's also begging her to show up at his hometown show. And she's like, I don't know. I have to get off work. You know, <laughs> um, listen, I'm fucked up too. Okay. So I think that like loving somebody is like, I don't have a lot of boundaries inside love. Right. I need to work on that. Like, it's easy for me to have boundaries with people I barely know, people I, acquaintances. It's very easy for me. And it's one of the reasons I do have those boundaries because I know that once I love you, it's very hard for me not to love you anymore. It's very hard for me to get rid of you um, because I believe that love is like inconvenience. So I used to know this guy, I used to work with this guy who had to like get up super early, take the bus to work because his girlfriend drove the car in a different direction. And I was like, why? And he was like, well, you know, she'd have to get up early. I was like, yeah, she's got to get up early. That's what it is. You got one car. Whatever you guys got to work it out, it doesn't matter how she has to get up. If my husband is at work and he can't get, like, he can't stop for lunch or get lunch delivered or he hasn't eaten and he's been there for a long time, he's going to be there longer, I will figure it out and get him food. Whether that's I send something to delivery or if I pack all these fucking kids and and he wants pasta from Chili's and I do Chili's to go and then drive it to where he is. That's what I do because that's what you have to. I 
I can't imagine me and my husband had one car for a long time because um, we lived in cities where I took public transportation and liked it. But I can't imagine like being somewhere and being like, I need to be picked up and him being like, well, I'm sleepy. What? It doesn't matter. You have to do it. We're, we're in love. You have to. Today he put on my socks. <laughs> I was tired. I had to go to get the vaccine. I was so tired and sleepy. And I was like, I just don't think I put these socks on. And he, I mean, he didn't want to feed the kids, but <laughs> he went over there and got my socks and put them on my feet. <laughs> but that's what I think love is. And so like, I don't know. When his mom is like, I don't know if I can get there. I got to work. I'm like, and he's like, I'll pay for you to get here, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, girl, get off of work, okay? This is your son, your son who you failed in the past, by the way. You've made some big fucking mistakes with him. You really have. You failed him in a lot of ways. And and he is showing up for you right now by paying shit for you and making a way for you. And like, he did, when he doesn't have to, a lot of people will be fine. Will be like, sure, if he decided he was gonna like, just cut you to fuck off. But... You can't figure out a way to get off work. I know. Not everybody has a PTO. Not everybody has jobs that have PTO and shit like that. But I don't know. It just seems like like the scenes with his mother are hard. They're hard, you know? Oh, last thing I want to talk about. Yeah, we've been talking for like two hours. I, don't, I know I haven't been talking about Trixie the whole time, but we've been talking for two hours. So let's let's wrap this up. I, I love the, the ending well, obviously Trixie wins and Trixie's really happy about that, you know? Um, and at the end, he goes to DragCon. And I love it when he's taking a lift to DragCon and trying to get in and they're like, what's your name? Trixie? Trixie Mattel? Spell that. <laughs> like, this is one of, this is your current reigning all-star champion. Also one of the most famous drag queens in the world. <laughs> And it's like trying to get into DragCon. <laughs> you should have been live streaming this. <laughs> so, so that was cute. Like just going to DragCon and Trixie riding around that little thing. It was it was really nice to see. Kind of a triumph. It's nice that it had like a happy ending. Seeing all the other drag queens and taking photos and everything. And it was great. Um, seeing the panel with him and Katya loved it. I really loved the part where he was singing. Um, I think that's my favorite part about Trixie is Trixie's music. Um, like I said, a lot of drag queens, um, all drag queens entertain. Some of them lip sync, some of them dance, some do comedy and very few get out of guitar and sing country Western or singer songwriter songs. Very few do that. So I love that. Um, and, um, I, I think I want to download Trixie's version of Kitty Girl, uh, that stripped down version of it. I love when he performs Kitty Girl, when he does all the, when he does all the, uh, the verses and everything. Then he has that girl come up and do, um, and do baby's part. And she is just like ready. <laughs> Her whole life is to this point to do this, you know, um, <laughs> to get up there. <laughs> <laughs> that was such a good moment for me. Just a joyful moment. I'm, I'm looking for more joyful moments right now. I just want to see some fucking joy on my timeline, in my real life, all around me. And that, and that, that made me like really fucking smile. 
Um, yeah, I just, I, I, I love, I think this is a good documentary. I really do. I think if you're a Trixie fan, you've already fucking seen it. <laughs> he has rabid fans. But if you're a drag fan, I think it's fine to watch it. And I think you'll enjoy it. I think it's a great, I, like I said, for me, I came to it at a time where I was like, okay, you have to let go of some of this resentment you have in this world. And part of it is like, why do you resent Trixie Mattel? Oh, some shit doesn't have anything to do with Trixie Mattel? Okay, well, you could probably let that go, right? You know, what do they say? You can't, you can't hold on to things. You have to let go of grudges and uh, defects and problems and resentments in your life that you're like dragging around with you so that you can open your hands and grab something else. And part of like me doing better, being better is taking a look at these hard feelings I have about certain things and being like, what's really behind that? And let's break that down. And again, I'm going to get to Ben. I will. Just not this year. It's already been a hard year. <laughs> All right, guys, so that's this week's um, By Pumpkin. Next week, I think I'm going to do an Ask Me Anything. Is there anything else left for you guys to ask me? I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But check out um, the Instagram, which is By Pumpkin Podcast. And check out the um, Patreon, if you're a Patreon member, which is patreon.com backslash by pumpkin. And I will leave space for you guys to ask me questions. You can also send in questions at hello at By Pumpkin Podcast. Uh, dot com. Um, and if you want to be anonymous, cause some of the stuff people ask me, they don't want people to know they're asking, I guess. If you want to be anonymous, all the, all of the things that I am reading off an of email will be anonymous. So if you, if you're, if you don't care about anonymity, anonymity, anon, if you don't care about whether I say your name or not, <laughs> comment either on the Instagram post or the Patreon. And if you care whether I say your name or not, send uh send your question to hello at bipokin podcast see you next week guys bye